Uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, thanks very much for waiting behind. I'd just like to ask uh, some of our Syrian friends, uh, uh, Mustafa Lashkar and Mohammed, to come to the stage, please, and uh, Leonio Dowd from the uh, Irish Syria Solidarity Movement. Oh, yeah, Leonie, Mohammed. Mustafa must be there somewhere. Oh, he just went out for a minute. Mustafa is actually a psychiatrist, so I thought he'd be a useful person to have after a movie like that. Because I must say, I um, I must say I don't know about you, but I, I found it very uh, almost a traumatic experience. And I mean, I've met many Syrians through the course of my work. So I made uh, Syria the Impossible Revolution with Anne Daly, who's just there. But I, I think the power of that documentary, which really affected me very deeply, is that what Al-Khatib actually, you know, shared with us what it was actually like being in Aleppo under those bombs. And of course, as it was going on the whole time, I just couldn't get it out of my mind that what they went through in Aleppo is happening right now in Idlib because many people here will know about all the hospitals being bombed in Idlib. It's the very same thing, but why many people are so worried about Idlib, as you probably also know, is that there are three million in Idlib. It's a much bigger potential catastrophe with the same kind of suffering, but on an even greater industrial scale. So I, I'm really glad you, you actually waited behind, because I, I think uh, what Al-Khatib certainly was very anxious that if people saw this film, and I've certainly heard what she said, you know, about the situation in Idlib certainly affects her very deeply. But before we start, I just, I have to share, hopefully you'll all contribute as well, but just to, I'd just like to ask uh, Muhammad if he wanted to react to the film first. I think that microphone is on there, so Muhammad. Muhammad, by the way, is a Syrian refugee living in Ireland, by the way. Hi, my name is Muhammad. I'm from Syria. I think a lot of people here, they don't know what happened in Syria. Syria now, I think, have more than six armies, America, Russia, Israel, Lebanon, Iraq, Turkey, all that for killing Syrian people. Now in Syria, we have more than one million shaheed. It's like more than one million people die. We have more than two million people in prison. We have more than 700,000 people. They have a disability. We have a lot of things in Syria. I'm sorry, my English is slitted, but I hope you understand what I have to say. Now in Syria, we have a lot of things. Every day we have, it's like 200 people died from Russia. Yeah. Uh, thanks, Mohammed. Yeah. Um, Mustafa, by the way, I should just introduce him as well too. He actually is involved with uh, Rethink, Rebuild, it's a Syrian community group, an amazing community group actually, probably the best in Britain, of Syrians living in Britain in Manchester and I know it myself because uh, we showed Syria the Impossible Revolution there one night and it certainly is a memory I shall never forget. Uh, Mohammed's also a psychiatrist by profession and I was partly joking about that but certainly I just was wondering you know, if you could, because I know you haven't seen For Sama before but can you react to the film or just share with us your feelings? Uh, I, I, uh, good evening. I. Oh, 
That's my one. That's it. Yeah, thanks. Good evening. Um, I did watch the film last week when it was at the preview in Manchester, and uh, people might say, why do you put your th yourself through this again within a few days? Um, it's still as traumatising and as painful, even though I um, kind of witnessed all this the last few years. I um, lived all my life in Aleppo. Um, I went to its university um, where I studied. Um, all the, the images that uh, we saw in the film are familiar to me. So I'm sorry, I'm still a bit shaken by it. Um, the, I think the point that uh, Wat made when she was uh, at the Q&A um, after the preview last week was that this is still happening. This is still happening in 2019 in Idlib. Idlib is still being shelled. There are three million people there. Where a lot of people who left Aleppo at that time after the siege actually were relocated uh, in Idlib. And Idlib now is the last uh, area outside the regime's control in Syria, and it is being shelled on a daily basis. Um, will there be another film in a few years' time talking about what has been happening in Idlib and the siege of Idlib and people being evacuated? Uh, we don't know. Hopefully we can pick up on some of these points in the discussion as well. Uh, thank, thanks very much, Mustafa. And I think the point about Italy, but I just made that before you, you came in as well too, is why the film, certainly for myself as well, it was uh, particularly chilling, because normally when we see these terrible you know, crimes against humanity committed on a sort of a systematic basis for a long period of time, they're always after the fact. And sometimes the reaction is, if only we had known. But we do know what's going on. And I suppose this is why I'm really glad everybody waited, because it's something, you know, certainly something that troubles me, and I, I mean, I'm sure it troubles everyone here, but I, I just think maybe, Leone, do you, you I just want to get your reaction to the film, because I, I know it definitely it's your first time seeing it as well. Well, yes, it's my first time seeing the film, but in actual fact, it's not my first time seeing some of the footage. Because we saw what was happening. Um, and we knew as people were put on the buses out of Aleppo and as they've been put out of the buses from Ghouta and Douma and Dara and all of the places that have been taken over by the regime since and while they were being sent up to Idlib we all said and we all knew that Idlib was going to be the final solution that they were being kettled into Idlib so that would what is happening now could happen. Um, and that is the absolutely extraordinary thing, isn't it? I mean, it's like the, you know, when I was watching her, you know, it's really a diary, isn't it, of her life. And you think of the diary of Anne Frank, you know. And, you know, as you say, we would have said, oh, you know, had we known, we would have stopped it. But we do know, we have known, we've known for years, we've watched it. And it's still happening and, <clears throat> You know, in our in our Twitter feed, in the in the organisation, we see this every single day. There was a little girl of six killed yesterday. Her little six-year-old twin survived, but that's just one in um, hundreds uh, over the last hundreds of children killed over the last few months. Thousands of people killed. Um, so I suppose people sometimes ask, "What can we do?" We've tried to give you some suggestions about what can be done. Um, 
all we could do, I suppose, try to get the people who have the power to do something to do it. Um, and we'll talk about that maybe in a little while. Um, I just, I, I, I think, you know, uh, we could get into the politics of it straight away, but I just think I would like to just just throw it open to people if they want to just react initially and we could just take it back to the panel. We've a little, t oh, we've a roving mic as well. And I just want to know, does anybody want to react at this point? Uh, anyone? Because we can keep it on the panel, but I just want to. Just the other important thing about Italy is there is nowhere for those people to be evacuated now. That is the last place. There is nowhere for them to go. Do you know what I mean? All the people from Aleppo, like you were saying, you know, and the other places went to Italy. Turkish border is closed. They're surrounded on their sides. There are marches to the Turkish border saying, please do something, please help us, please stop the bombing, or we're coming through, but there is no coming through, it's closed, you know? So it's, not only are there many, many more people, but as Leonie says, this is the end game. They're closed in by the regime, and that's something just important to remember. Uh, I think that really is a, really a crucial point, because uh, as Mustafa made the point that um, what Al-Khatib has already underlined that this is still going on in a dramatic way. And as uh, you've made the point that uh, the Turkish, the Turks have, uh, Turkey has closed the border. Uh, and, you know, there's some debate about the number of people, because many people are living out in the open, they've no facilities now, they just fled in the face of the regime. Uh, I just saw there was a press conference in Geneva by the UN Human Rights Commissioner and about a thousand people, well, over a thousand, about 1,100 civilians have been killed. These figures, as usual, are pretty conservative, but the vast majority, about 1,039, she said, by the regime in the bombing and the shelling and so forth of civilians and 304 children. So what we witnessed there, and I must say it's the fact that it's rolling in my mind as well too, uh, that uh, this reality is, is what I suppose makes this film so unique. It's like we're watching this kind of Holocaust in real time. I mean, it's really going on in real time in that sense. And uh, as you made the point, I mean, the situation in Idlib is much greater than Aleppo because the numbers, there's three million people. And one point, I, I, when Mustafa was talking, uh, it always resonates with me, is that many of the people in Idlib have fled, these are families that have fled up to five times. You know, they go from one place to the other, they're bust from one place to the other, leave one place to the other to escape the bombing and the um, and the uh, the terror but I just want to throw it maybe to Mustafa as well you know I mean you know where are we going with Syria I mean is there any hope in this situation I mean because I think a lot of people perhaps are numbed after watching that film I mean well the the film itself sends sends some messages of hope, I think, which I will come to in a minute. Uh, I'm not a politician myself, uh, but a lot of Syrians feel that uh, the revolution has lost. Uh, in, in reality, the regime has recaptured all the, most of the areas in, and uh, most of the areas that fell under the control of the opposition. Um, and the likelihood is that it will recapture the rest of the country. Um, However, I think the revolution has brought a, a lot of good things for the Syrian people and for the world as well. I think there was a huge barrier of fear that 
we Syrians, Mohammed would, would I'm sure agree with me, we, we grew up in uh, a huge uh, kind of paranoia and fear. We feared each other, we couldn't speak, we couldn't open uh, our mouths to say anything against the regime. This is this has changed dramatically after the revolution. People are not scared anymore, are not afraid. Um, so I don't know, on, on, the, on the political uh, front, I think it looks like we're, we're not going in, 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 a very, in, a, in a very positive direction. However, the, the main hope, I think, at the moment is for uh, people like yourselves uh, to, to campaign to bring those uh, criminals to the International uh, Criminal Court and to prosecute them for crimes against humanity and for genocide, for all the crimes that they committed. I think that there are a lot of people who are now working on that. I know specialists in international law who are uh, working very, very hard on this, and I think that's a big thing that we, uh, we need to campaign for. And I don't think uh, you know, all the sacrifices that, that, that the Syrian people have um, paid uh, should go um, in vain. So I think that's, that's a major issue that we should all uh, rally behind. The, the film itself uh, sends a very uh, good message of, of hope, I think. Uh, to be able to, um, if you take it kind of, if you take wild stories from the, from the start, to be able to um, fall in love and um, get married and have a child, to be able to escape all that death that was around her, and to come um, up with this film, I think there is uh, there's a lot of resilience there. There's a lot of hope that we can we can take away from that. Yeah, I, I think actually that's quite an inspiring point because I had a feeling from having looked at a lot of that footage myself as well too that they actually, I, I don't think they, they could have included a lot more of the suffering and the bombing because it was obviously much more, because it was relentlessly going on the whole time but actually it probably, you know, as you say, how normal life continued, mm. how they actually survived. In fact, it would have been nice to have Wad al-Khatib here just to discuss that with her because when you play over it in your mind and you think through, it, it is, it is, as you rightly say, it, it's a cause of, uh, it has to be a cause of optimism. Uh, I just saw you, what yeah. do I comment on that? Yeah, I just wanted to, to, I just wanted to say that, um, oh, yeah, thank you. That, uh, I mean, for me as a filmmaker, it's an obviously incredible film from a woman's perspective, you know, that, that incredible sense of place for people, how home and what home means, and leaving Aleppo. But I do think what Mustafa said here, I think we have to leave here today with a sense of being able to fight and a sense of being able to say, we cannot allow this happen in our name now that we have seen and now that we know and now that we have iPhones and iPads and satellite phones, and we have instant communication. We started filming, uh, Ronan and myself, our second film on Syria called Bringing Assad to Justice. It's just begun. And one of the interviewees just 10 days ago, uh, an amazing Syrian lawyer, is working quietly away. Uh, and Assad will be brought to justice. It may not be uh, today, it may not be tomorrow. It may take a number of years. But what inspired me and gave me hope was that for people like Anwar, Anwar, Anwar Al-Guni is his name, he had kind of almost, and he had been in prison himself, but he had kind of passed through like what we would call the pain barrier into another space where he was now envisaging a life uh, and a Syria that one day would be free and was working towards that. 
And while we're just at the start of this uh, journey ourselves to make this film, and we hope it will be film, uh, it will be ready possibly for the spring or early summer. But I think that's where the story has to go. But I think we, as citizens of the world, and as people, and as human beings, we must support, we must educate ourselves about Syria, and we must support Syrian citizens, because this is what came through. This was you or I in a different context. And that's what I can never understand. I can't understand it from the left. I can't understand it from the media. I can't understand of course, Channel 4 was amazing, and I recognise, like Leone, some of the footage there. But somehow or other, we have to stop it. And I think we can stop it. We can stop it if we work together. And each of us can only do our bit. We're putting our skills as filmmakers to the best possible use to try and inform. Uh, I am, as I said, I want to be optimistic, but I think with optimism must go activism and must go kind of truth-bearing and truth-telling. We don't want to tell our grandchildren and great-grandchildren in time to come that we knew what happened and we really didn't get ourselves involved or do anything about it. And this film, I keep thinking of Second World War and having been in Berlin filming, it made me think as I stood at the Brandenburg Gate and as I, there's a beautiful little memorial park that is just very close to the um, Brandenburg Gate which commemorates the Nazis, Holocaust against the Roma, you know? So, never again is again. And, uh, yes, not, again. Yeah, it's not to preach to you, but to say in the name of common humanity, let's not leave here today without connecting up, sharing phone numbers and saying, we've got to stop it. Thank uh, you. We Thanks, Anne. We don't have Wad al-Khatib here today, but we do have you as well. So I was just want to make sure, just give people a chance to just reflect on the film or share your... Yeah, there's two people there, yeah? And, uh, um, this is my second time uh, seeing this uh, documentary, because I saw it at the Galway Arts Festival uh, earlier this summer. Uh, and what struck me more than anything, was that uh, Wahad did not, except once, use the word Islamist. There was no Islamists uh, or, or jihadists mentioned. Neither were there the White Helmets mentioned either. And it was stark that there weren't. And my reason for this for pointing this out is that when you're on social media, uh, uh, and this has been going on nine years now, it's in its ninth year, when you consider that it started in 2011, that you're bombarded all the time by uh, human, what they call themselves, anti-war and human rights activists to follow uh, the, the, the Russian and the, Syri the uh, Assad propaganda. Uh, and this uh, documentary is just so mighty, so powerful, so touching that, you know, I cried buckets the last time, I cried buckets again today. What, what, what I can't understand is why isn't this, you know, countrywide in all our cinemas? Has anybody that answer? 
You know, what, uh, uh, you know, why are we just going to watch it here for the next few days, what we hear for the 19th? You know, everybody should watch this. I just want to, I feel so crazy that I want to get back at all these people, the Beelies and the, the Bartlett's and the, all of these ones that have so many hundreds of thousands of followers. And then you have this, this is the truth. This is the real thing. And as Ronan said there, and, and uh, uh, Leonie, when I was, when they started uh, evacuating Aleppo and sending, sending them to Idlib, I said on Facebook, this is, this is the Syrian Nakba. This Idlib is going to be Gaza. They'll all be in one spot. They have no place to go. Uh, and they'll be bombed uh, uh, to kingdom come. And it is happening now. And as Anne said, we have to do something, even at this bloody last st late, late stage of it all. We have to get out there and do something. But this is the movie that's going to do it. That's going to help us. Leone, you wanted to... Yeah, I just want to say to everybody who's here that it was no small thing to come and watch this film. And that many of your friends and your family members will say to you, oh gosh, I wouldn't be able to go to that. So I just want to really congratulate you, I suppose, or thank you for, you know, the, just what you've just done. Um, I know I was really looking forward to seeing this film and I was absolutely dreading it as well. I imagine that's how some of you were as well. And I think all of you have, I'd be surprised if you haven't been deeply impacted by it. And I think you've possibly been changed by it. And I think it's maybe the most important film that's ever been made. Um, and I know that everybody who was involved in the making of it, the reason why they made it was to try to save lives. There's justice as well, there's telling the story, there's remembering their city, but it's to save lives. So I think possibly the reason why it might not go on general release is precisely because of that, because it takes so much courage to come and see it. Um, but perhaps you can tell people about it, you know, encourage people to see it. I don't know if any of you, when you go home, will regret having seen it. I kind of would be surprised if you did. It, you know, it's, it's a painful thing to watch, but I think you would probably not regret having seen it. And perhaps you can tell others about it, people who, who aren't able to come or feel they aren't able to come. Perhaps you can tell them about it and continue to tell them about it and tell them that it's still happening. It's happening every day. And we have people now in Idlib who are doing exactly what Wad al-Khatib did. And we're following them and we're encouraging them and we're supporting them and we're worrying about them. Um, and they are just as brave and they are just as committed and they're just as dedicated to um, to their neighbours and their friends and, you know, we'd be in touch with people who are in the white helmets and I noticed why I'd actually thank them at the end of the credits um, and they say, no, I, you know, it's, it's too late now to leave but when it was still possible to leave, they said, no, we won't leave, you know, we have to stay and you can see that there, can't you, that, just that courage and commitment, so thank you for coming. Yeah, I, I just think that point you made as well, yeah, I'll come to you in just a second. You made a good point, you know, if more people saw a film like this, there's no doubt it would have a political effect. But I would say to anybody here who feels as strongly, 
that by going on social media, making that point, writing your own review briefly, a couple of lines, saying it should be seen, it must be seen, you give it a strong recommendation, it does have an effect, you know, it does create a, a momentum behind it that encourages more people to see it. Because most people will not see it in the cinema, they'll download it, they'll see it online, they'll probably see it in Channel 4, because I saw there were producers as well of it, they backed it, because uh, why did you, as we've already made reference, you did reports for Channel 4. There was just somebody up there in the back as well, guy with the moustache, I think, yeah. Oh yeah, and somebody in the middle as well. Thank you again just for letting us see this movie today. I just came from the whole road from Wicklow Town. Uh, as far as I am one of Syrians who had thought for some reasons just to leave Syria a long time ago. Just want to say that you, it's not about you can share this movie, you should share this movie. You need to show everyone that what's happening there It's something let me tell you something. When in 2016, when Aleppo was occupied by the Syrian regime and the, by the Russian forces, I was in Moscow at that time and I was watching the Russian propaganda. They were showing the news and how everything was happening. They sent a Russian journalist who were from Islamic background, so that just to show people that everything is fine. He went to that hospital, who had been just uh, destroyed by the Russian Air Forces, and they were just telling that tourists did that. And then after that, they had been invited to make an interview with us to just hear the same what they want to say. And so lots of people at that other, the other side of the world thinking that that was a war against terrorism, while us, everyone was so just, just watch it right now. Like they are just normal people. They just look different, they just have their own life, they just don't want to be agreed with the regime, they don't want to be uh, just under the weapon. What's happened with Hamza, like I get used to know Hamza very much, even before like, through social media and television, before I saw this movie, because he get used to be known on Al Jazeera uh, TV channel, and he get used to comment a lot of things that was happening there. I saw a lot of uh, hair videos on YouTube, and like all what's happening in Aleppo is what I can say, it's happening everywhere in Derzor, it's happening in Damascus, on the countryside of Damascus, and people there in Egypt right now, not only from Aleppo, they, went, they came from almost all, all areas around Syria. Uh, it's not about 3 million, 3 million is what is officially, it's even much more than 3 million people, and if Hamza was one of the people who have been wanted and he was afraid to cross the regime point. I can tell you that's almost 50% of names of people that are in there right now. They are really wanted for the regime and they have no other choices I think, just to fight and defend themselves. Because what could happen with them if they had been caught or if the regime occupied that area again is something much worse than what even Dwarf would show us by the film. What I've been saying that it was really something that we can cry about for, for, for years and years, but it's still they believe in 20 or 30 percent from what's really happened there. What's happened there was much more painful. I was in a part of Latakia in 2011, when just one small area, just, we just had a new small protest, when just the regime had closed the area and they went inside. There were three levels of waves. The first wave, they were just shooting and killing everyone who's protested. The, shit, the second one were just ambulances, which are just collecting the bodies. And the third wave was just, you know, a fire, uh, what do you call that, like a fire car, a machine, which was just cleaning the roads and pick up the pools and just make everything clean. So the next day you wake up 
there were here some people, now there's no people, everything is clean, there are no bodies, and the liar came back again to tell Dakar as no one had been killed yesterday. So if you can share this, if, if you want to share this film, I need to make sure that too many people will see. If you want to support some people, I think the main point in the film here is if you want to support some people in any place, wherever there is a war, you need to support the medical side. You need to support people that are healing other people. Because in some cases, you can't know who is the good and who is the bad. When you are supporting hospitals, when you are supporting education, you are supporting people and giving a chance to people to live a normal life. Because you could hear some people who have been died, I feel sorry for them, but they already died, they already free of this madness, but people who have been just suffering, screaming, because of painful, because they have nothing to do, and they are just laying there in the hospital on the floor, because there is no base for them, that's the most crazy thing, that's, it's a nightmare for a lot of people right now. I really thank you again for making this show today, and I really hope that we can see these movies shown in a lot of cinemas here around Ireland, because that's really something we just open the minds of people on what's really happening there from inside and from outside, not from the propaganda. Yeah, I think if we want that, really, we've got to make way. <laughs> there was somebody in the middle there as well. Sorry, yeah. Sorry, it's a bit of stretching. Uh, yeah, uh, it was just an absolute overwhelming film. And um, just one or two points. Um, firstly, a point that came from them, and actually came mostly, I suppose, um, by the conspicuous absence of anything positive in terms of the international community and the UN. There were two mentions, one very early on, where I, had, um, I think it was before she had married Hamza, and there was some kind of an observer or something, and it was like, basically, just look. And then finally at the end, where the only role that the UN seemed to play was just basically to be kind of a messenger for the Russians uh, in terms of uh, you've got to surrender and get out um, if you want to survive. Uh, I think that that's particularly poignant and pertinent to us uh, outside of Syria. Ireland is of course a UN member trying to get on to the Security Council. Um, all of these kind of, you know, roles, you know, that we like to sometimes um, boast about are kind of, you know, strong um, and you know, apparently neutral international standing. Um, but surely uh, this country has got to really raise its voice more in terms of its role as a UN member and we as citizens and as people living here have surely got to kind of put that point out towards our own government and I think just that uh, leaflet that was given out at the beginning uh, in terms of actual things that we can do, um, maybe even more so than any kind of social media, is actually just the direct contact with politicians to try to kind of raise this as an issue, even though it's been an issue for so long now, about eight years. Um, but just the absolute failing of the entire international community of which we are all part has been staggering. The other point, and it is uh, point number two actually on the, um, the handout, uh, there's so many people, uh, relatives of Syrians in Ireland, who are actually trapped now in Idlib, and so little is being done. These are people that very often actually have the right to come here under family reunification, 
but uh, they're just not getting sufficient support to be able to negotiate the terrible logistics of trying to get out of Idlib and the stress that's putting on their families here. And again, it's up to us to get on to our politicians really to hammer that point to home to There are ways and means of doing things. Um, and you know, if there was a will to get people out, you know, um, it, it would somehow be possible. And, uh, and that point has been made uh, to the Department of Justice on numerous occasions. But I think even just if, like the, the gathering here, people, maybe it's your first time in watching something like this, would just follow up on those points because to be quite honest, um, Syria's been on the mainstream media and social media now for eight years and really unfortunately, despite the power of this film, if people actually don't do something rather than just press, share, press, whatever, you know, um, like it's just going to continue. And on one small positive point, I'm actually here with my daughter who is 19 years of age, <laughs> which is kind of shocking, but she's kind of a post-war Bosnian-Irish child and my own husband was actually injured. Uh, he was working in the, the hospital in Sarajevo when it was shelled um, and as a result of that he was brought here for treatment. So there is hope and just all the Syrians in the audience, it's you and your children that, as Hamza I think said, uh, it's not about the place, it's about the people and you guys really are the future and there is hope, it's a very long difficult journey but just to salute all of you. <laughs> I'll just maybe take another couple of points and then I'll ask the, uh, I'll ask the panel to uh, sum up then if anybody has any points to make. They're just on, on the edge, yeah? Yeah, well, I don't understand. Why did Russia support the regime and the Americans who mostly stayed out of it and Israel was there on the background as well? Why did the Russians support the, the regime in uh, Syria? And there's somebody just there, I think, just there. I'm Nazmi Salim from Syria, from the south of Syria. Really, it's uh, a real story. But it is a small part from the truth. We have many, many thousands like this story. From the south to the north, from the east to the west. Bashar al-Assad destroyed all Syria, destroyed people, buildings, animals, trees, everything. Bashar al-Assad destroyed it, Syria. Thank you. Um, just uh, somebody there. Thanks, guys. Just a quick question. Uh, we heard today that uh, the prospects are Assad's recapturing Idlib and establishing control together with Putin over Syria. So my question is, uh, how do you see it that the actual cleanup not going to start then? Uh, and what is being done by cleanup? I mean, Hamza mentioned that he was among, could be on the list of people who is not obedient not convenient for the regime. Obviously, in when Assad establishes control over Syria, obviously there's going to be many more people like that. Thousands, probably hundreds of thousands. Yeah. Uh, what do you see? Uh, it's probably a question to guys from Syria. What do you see is the possible scenario? 
and uh, what the international community can do. Uh, obviously, Assad and Putin could barely be trusted, especially uh, stories like that from the folks behind. Thank you. Uh, just before I put those questions, because as you rightly say, our Syrian friends, uh, Mustafa and Mohammed, could deal with those issues. You know, there's always a tendency we throw our hands up in the air and say, oh, if only the international community did something. Well, as an Irish citizen recently, I must say I was terribly disillusioned when I saw our Foreign Minister Coveney, and I don't want to personalise this as such, but he met Lavrov in Moscow and talked about expanding trade. And I rang Foreign Affairs Press Department, because I am a journalist as well as a filmmaker, but I'm a filmmaker primarily, and I didn't really get an answer if they actually even discussed Syria. So, I mean, it just shows when there isn't a strong lobby in a country, our minister, with the knowledge of what's going on in Syria, can actually go to Moscow, which is actively engaged in committing crimes against humanity. And let's be very clear about this. This isn't a partisan point. I wonder if a foreign minister from any political party in the Dáil would not have done the same thing. Because there isn't really a constituency. So I'm not making a partisan point or I emphasise that. Because if we don't raise our voices in our name, imagine, I still cannot get that my head around it. This has been going on now for years. And in fairness, Ireland has a good reputation. We, we say the right things in the right fora and so forth. But when push comes to shove, we want to see it on the Security Council. We need, if not support, we need Russia's tacit you know, support of some description. But I mean, we, we do have a, I would just, I'm sharing this with you. Because if people are wondering, what can I do? Well, it does begin at home. You know, we are implicated by our own minister in that sense. I'll just put it on to our friends on the panel. Our concerned geopolitical questions were asked. Some very practical local questions. Some reference that I detected there to what Jamal al-Hassan had actually said when the three million came up on the list. Uh, I, th I think you're right. Um, a lot of people will want to go back to, to Syria, inclu including refugees in, in the UK. And I don't think many of them trust the regime, that they won't be arrested and tortured or, and, and killed. I am blacklisted. My name is on the, on the list. I can't go back. I haven't been back to Syria for, for 10 years. I don't think I can trust the regime, even if they said, you've got amnesty, you can, you're welcome back. In fact, there, there is all sorts of uh, stories now about people who have been given amnesty and reassurance, and they went back and they were arrested at uh, airports and, and borders and checkpoints. Um, and that's something we need to work uh, very, very hard on uh, with politicians, again, with uh, law uh, experts and all that in order to make sure that we can hold the, the regime to account and that they give real uh, reassurances to people. Um, the, the other point about the, the, the politicians, again, I'm, I'm, I'm not a politician. We, uh, our experience in Rethink Rebuild Society in Manchester shows that politicians know very little about Syria and about what's going on, really. That's why this kind of film, that's why the film that uh, Ronan uh, made, The Impossible Revolution, are very, very important to educate them. We had uh, all the Manchester MPs in our office in Manchester, and we spoke, we, we educated them, we actually showed them a presentation of really, this is really what's going on in Syria, and a lot of them were shocked, they didn't know this was going on. Um, a big, uh, another kind of group of them do know, but they are complicit and they don't want to do anything, and those are the ones who we need to embarrass and we need to challenge. Some of you might have seen uh, Peter Tatchell, one of the uh, greatest uh, campaigners in, in England, um, 
challenging Jeremy Corbyn, the, the leader of the Labour Party, who uh, should be, if, if, if anybody would stand for Syria, he should be the one who stands for uh, the Syrian people's rights. Now, now Peter Tatchell challenged him in one of the, the press uh, conferences at, at the Labour Party conference uh, three years ago, and this was around the same time we're talking about here, the siege of Aleppo, and said, when is Jeremy Corbyn going to say anything about Aleppo? And that's what we need to do with, with all our politicians. We need to challenge it. This actually went on, on video, and everybody in the UK knew about it. And that's what we need to, to continue uh, yeah. to do. We, we, we also included that footage as well in Syria, the Impossible that's Revolution, right. actually, yeah. you know, which is very rude. Sorry, just Mohammed, sorry, I, I meant to. Yeah, yeah, okay. Just I need five minutes from your time. I'm writing something here from Syria, from 2011 to now. For nine years, the Syrian people have been killed by the criminals in Syria. Nine years ago, European and Arabic countries have seen how the Syrian people die. Nine years, and Russia every day is killed, looted in Syria. And no one can say anything to Russia. Why can't Anyone, why? Can anyone, t anyone tell me why the presidents are silent or are they afraid? Today in Syria, there are more than six countries that kill the Syrian people. From 2013 in Al-Ghuta, in Syria, in one day, nearly 3,000 people, mostly children and women, died of chemical. I didn't find any government says to Russia, get out of Syria. I don't find any government to interfere in Syria to solve the crisis in the country. I saw most countries stand with the criminal Syrian government. America, Russia, Israel, Iran, Lebanon, Turkey, and Iraq. All this army today stand with Bashar al-Assad the killing Syrian people. Today, in Syria, there are one million it's shaheed, it's like martyrs, killed by Syrian and Russia regime. There are more than two million people in a prison. If you, if you are really want to help us, please put pressure on the European government to stop the bloodshed in Syria. Bashar Assad and his government must leave and be held count accountably. Thank you, thank you to, to, to Irish people for hosting us in your country and thank to everyone who stand with the Syrian people. Thanks very much for that, Robert. I, I think yeah, we, we might bring the proceedings to a conclusion now, but I just want, because many of you may be wondering what you can do, and as you know, this meeting was organised by the... Uh, uh, sorry? Can I say one quick word? Oh, by, absolutely. Uh, I'll let you go. And... <laughs> uh, uh, it's just that I was with Juan last week when, when we had the preview in Manchester. One of the things that she brought up that really gets her and she felt so angry about is the use of the word civil war 
to describe what's going on in Syria. She said this is not a civil war. This is a revolution. We saw how it started, and it's a regime killing its own people with all sorts of uh, weapons. And I think we, the problem is civil war has, has become almost kind of the, the word that the media uses all the time. I think, again, we've got to challenge that. This is not a war between two sides. This is not Muslims killing each other. We've heard that in Manchester, in London, lots of times when we protested in, in, in the streets. People said, oh, this is just Muslims killing each other. This is not about two sides killing each other. This is a regime killing its own people. Yeah, and just to echo that, I think, sorry to repeat this, Bob, but I do think it's worth, if anybody ever wants to use it or whatever, that the UN Human Rights Commission didn't make that very point. You know, one side has an air force, and the fact that of the well over 90% of the civilian casualties, including over 300 children recently, have been killed by the regime. So in that context, one can understand what's, as we ourselves are often frustrated by that, that misreporting of the nature of the conflict. But equally, it doesn't mean to say that, because uh, there was a reference by what in the, to the jihadists who are a problem on the opposition side, but as she said, the regime are worse, worse than them. And we're not going to make it complex today, but I do think what, as she made the point, this was a revolution for freedom, democracy, things we take for granted. And I think that really explains how perhaps they survived hell for so long and didn't run away when they could have run away because they didn't want to go back. But that hunger for this type, our kind of freedom, which they are determined to have, you know, is an optimistic thing, I think, for the future. And I'm just going to hand over now, I think, to, I was just going to say that, you know, that if people want us to uh, more information of what they can do, uh, Leonio O'Dowd from the Irish Syria Solidarity Movement is going to say a few words. Uh, I'll just hand to you on, you, you might want to say a few words on it. Well, I think, you know, we've given you a little bit of information about us, so you'll have some idea of what we do, and um, we'd be very glad of any support in any way that you can give it to us. Um, the Irish Serious Solidarity Movement really tries to raise awareness and inform. I have to say, you know, that uh, sparing Anne and Ronan's blushes, if you really want to understand the story of the Syrian revolution, you really should watch their film. Syria, the Impossible Revolution, which you can get on Amazon Prime and you can get it on Vimeo, um, because it tells you the whole story and it really contradicts the story that is put out there by the regime, by Russia, uh, by Assad's other um, partners in crime, Iran and Hezbollah, because in Italy, Iran are not as involved, but they certainly were involved in uh, the other crimes against humanity. And so have Hezbollah have been the forces on the ground that have been forced, starvation sieges and so on. And that will contradict the story that is put out that this is a war between Assad and ISIS. This is not a war between Assad and ISIS. That's just not what is happening in Syria. And it never has been. <clears throat> it's a war between the regime, which is extraordinarily wealthy. Um, it's like the mafia multiplied by 100 against the people of Syria. Um, it's a war of attrition against civilians, it's a war against <coughs> and so on. Um, but in terms of what you, how you can support us, um, we uh, have various actions that we take. Uh, we'd love you to come along or to be at those. Uh, we try to lobby politicians, we try to raise awareness. Um, we've organized for various uh, wonderful people to come to the Joint Foreign Affairs Committee to try to educate politicians. Um, and there are perhaps other things we could be doing. Um, perhaps some of you have 
talents and expertise that you could put at our disposal or even just creative ideas that you might have. And um, we're a very small group um, and we would love any support that you can give us. There was one final thing Valerie Hughes asked me to do and I won't be allowed to leave the building unless I do this. Um, Wad at one of the showings, I think it was in, at the film festival, asked the audience to hold up a sign which just says stop bombing Idlib. It's not a very political statement, it just says stop bombing Idlib. And in order to get a photograph, she's just going to hand them out to anybody who's prepared to hold it up in the audience and we'll just take a photograph of that. Who's going to take that? Oh yeah, just somebody's going to take a photograph of that. Just to hold it up and we just, just if, you're, if you want to, please, it's not obligatory, needless to say. Uh, but it certainly is a very simple statement, if you like, of our opposition to bombing hospitals and civilians and schools and markets and levelling whole neighbourhoods in Idlib, which I think we saw in this unique film, what it's really like for people under it. And I, I must say I, I am, despite all our experiences and the people we've met, I think it's so powerfully resonated with me today because of what's going on in Idlib as well. So thanks very much for your cooperation on that. Um, I just also want to thank, by the way, uh, the Irish Serious Solidarity Movement and of course the IFI for organising or giving us the opportunity to have this discussion this afternoon after the film and indeed more, more importantly for hosting the film, which is probably the most important documentary I myself even I make them have to admit I've seen for a long long time and may not see for a while and of course most important of all the Syrians themselves who came along I'd like to thank Mohammed and uh, Mustafa for uh, and in the audience as well for joining us as well for being prepared to share their uh, their experiences no Valerie I've done what you told me Signature of our Do you want to tell people that as well? Just yeah, you talk yeah. about that. Can I just say that I've got uh, Wad's number and I hope people don't mind me taking pictures and I will send them straight to her and I'm sure she will be very, very pleased to see oh, yeah, that's, that's that. That's very good. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. That's great. So just hold up your hold up the signs now, guys. Uh, just uh, we can take that picture. I'll just, I'll just, take that. Yeah, that's great. Thanks very much. Just a just hold them up high. That's brilliant, folks. Thanks very much. I won't find one as well. Great. Thanks very much, folks. Really Thank appreciate you. that. Thanks for coming.